Each year, the Medical Group Management Association performs a cost survey to evaluate the financial performance of medical group practices in the United States. The 2008 report was just released, and not surprising to many physicians, operating costs are rising faster than revenue in physicians' practices. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, host of the Business of Medicine. Joining me today is Dr. William Jesse, president of the Medical Group Management Association, and we're going to talk about this year's survey results and the key issues facing physicians' practices. Dr. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Well, Bill, before we discuss the results of the survey, can you tell me how you actually do the survey? Sure. Every year we put out both a physician compensation survey and a cost survey. And the one we're focusing on today, of course, is the cost survey. It's open to both MGMA members and non-members. And this year we had practices respond representing about 30,000 physicians and mid-level practitioners. So it's the largest survey of its kind in the country and it collects a wide variety of data. There are about 140 questions on the survey that allow us to report detailed information on practice operating cost, on revenues, on physician productivity, and uh, a variety of staffing and resource requirement data from the practices. So, Bill, what happened this year? Well, I think the the key is that what we saw this year is a continuation of an unfortunate trend that's been going on for at least the last decade in that practice operating costs are going up faster than practice revenues. For multi-specialty group practices, for example, revenues were up about 5.5% in 2007, and by comparison, operating expenses were up about 6.5%. So when your expenses go up faster than your revenues, that translates to less leftover for the owners. Right. And so it results in reduced compensation for the physicians in that practice. So that's across the board, but were there any uh, outliers, any physicians that actually saw an increase in revenue this year? Everybody did see revenue growth. The average revenue growth was 5.5%. The only problem is the expense growth outstripped the revenue growth. So in terms of net, they didn't really see some substantial increases. In fact, we actually saw some practices that saw declines in their revenues this year. For example, cardiology. Cardiology revenues were down about 0.6%. And it's unusual to see revenues go in a negative direction. Just the normal inflationary increases in revenues and volume-driven increases usually produce some increased revenues. But for cardiology, I think the, the big item on the, for them was clamping down on a lot of imaging studies and the, the reimbursement rates for imaging studies and cardiology practices were cut way back. So that actually resulted in a decline in their gross revenues. So what were you seeing as the major reasons that are increasing the overall costs? Is it just employee costs or is it, uh, you know, what is it? Obviously, the biggest item in most practices budget is the salary line and it's just a fact of life that you typically have to increase salaries around 3 to 3.5% per year to keep your employees even with inflation in the economy. If you don't do that, you risk losing those employees to um, not necessarily other medical practices, but in some cases hospitals and other industries. So you've got a built-in annual escalator in your staff cost. But for many health professions, we're in a shortage situation right now. There's been a nursing shortage for years most of the uh, allied health professions are in shortage situations, and that tends to drive salaries up. So staff costs went up more than the rate of inflation in the economy at large. Well, another big item was uh, increase in uh, drug cost. We saw a 17% increase in 2007 on top of an average increase of about 33% in 2006. And in fact, in some pediatric practices, what they have to pay for drugs far exceeds 
what they receive in reimbursement for administering them, primarily uh, immunizations right. for pediatricians. Right. That is not a good business to be in. You know, I'd, I'd like my staff to read the newspaper to know that the rest of the world doesn't have jobs, and they should be thankful that they, they're in the healthcare field. But, you know, like you said, they can always go elsewhere. Were you able to see anything that was the cause of affecting the primary care physicians' revenues not going up that much? I mean, did you see an impact on retail health clinics, or are you not able to really tell what's causing it? Well, we've, we've not really seen much impact from the uh, very much hyped uh, retail clinics. Anecdotal information we get indicates that about 60% of the patients who are showing up in those retail clinics do not have primary care physicians. So it's not as if they're siphoning off existing patients from primary care physicians. We didn't really see um, anything that would indicate a significant impact on primary care practices from the um, growth of the retail clinics. The one thing that did favorably impact primary care practices was the reweighting of the evaluation and management codes that took place in 2007. In some cases, primary care physicians were seeing an income increase because of the fact that the weights were shifted away from procedures, i.e. taking money off of the uh, surgical specialists and the interventional specialists, to give more money to the E&M codes for primary care physicians. So this is the first time in a number of years that primary care physicians actually did a little bit better than specialists by, for the most part. Now, is there a way that you know physicians can actually combat the trend of operating costs increasing? Because we can't really increase our fees. We're kind of locked. So, you know, what can we do? There are some things you can do to help control the rate of rise of operating costs. One thing we find is that practices that are more successful financially do a better job of capturing charges. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of physicians provide services that they never enter into their practice's billing system. Particularly if you provide in-hospital services, it's easy to forget to mention that you right. uh, paid a call on a patient while you were in the hospital, right. and that may never get billed. So. Increasing charge capture is one way to increase revenues. Another factor that we found makes a lot of difference in practice profitability is how well you collect what you're owed by the payers. Practices that are more successful financially collect a greater percentage of what they're owed than those that are less successful. And some of that is because they've got aggressive people in their billing office that are Mm -hmm. out there hounding the insurance companies to collect every dollar that they're due. One of the interesting conundrums we've seen over a number of years is that practices that have more FTE support staff per FTE physician are more profitable than practices that have a lower numbers of support staff. And that's sort of counterintuitive. I think many physicians look at their practice expenses and say, well, I got to cut expenses. So the way to do that is to cut back on staff. Well, it turns out that's probably the wrong response because if you cut back on the staff, you're probably not going to be as effective in collecting what you're actually owed. So you have to look very carefully to make sure that you've got the right number of staff and the right kinds of staff. You don't need to use an RN, for example, to pull charts. That's pretty high-priced labor for a task that can be better performed by somebody at a lower pay scale. Another uh, approach that that many groups are are using to um, combat this trend is to use more mid-levels. In several specialties, we find that mid-levels are generating a lot of additional revenue for the practice, far in excess of what the mid-levels are being paid as compensation. So that's a way of, of growing the top line. 
And then another approach that's being used is adding non-insured services. I think we sometimes think of the only source of revenue in a practice as being the insurance companies, but there are growing uh, numbers of practices that are finding ways of creating revenue streams from non-insured services. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I'm talking with Dr. William Jesse, president of the Medical Group Management Association, and we're talking about the results from the 2008 cost survey of physician practices. Bill, how many docs out there are actually using EMRs or uh, electronic billing services? Well, I, I think the, the vast majority of practices now are doing most of their billing electronically. But with electronic records, that's a different kettle of fish. It varies from specialty to specialty. It varies by size of the practice. The larger the practice, the more likely they are to be using an, an EMR but across the board, our data indicate that around 18 to 20% of physicians currently are in a practice where they're using some form of electronic medical record. Now, obviously, if you've got an EMR that allows you to capture information one time and seamlessly transfer a lot of that into your billing system, it helps you with things like charge capture. It helps with reducing some of your operating expenses in the practice once you get past that early implementation learning curve. So it can be a real positive step, but it's still not the norm in medical practices around the country. In your survey, did you talk to any practices that are dealing with what's called real-time adjudication, where the patient actually is paying their responsibility before they actually leave the office? Yeah, we've got in some parts of the country, Florida, for example, that's becoming increasingly common, and uh, some of the payers are trying to uh, offer that as a service to practices. Clearly, there's some huge advantages there as the amount of patient responsibility has increased over the last several years with employers increasing co-pays, increasing deductibles, collecting those patient due amounts has become more and more important for practices. We've collected data from the cost survey for a number of years to show that practices that routinely collect co-pays and deductibles at the time of service are much more financially successful than those that do not. Sometimes it's just a matter of training your personnel to ask for it, but one of the problems we've had with the growth of the higher deductible health plans is that often you can't find out what the patient's share is. There are a lot of insurers who, who say, well, just submit the claim, and when the EOB comes back, you'll know how much the patient owes. Well, that's easy for them to say, but once the patient has left the office, then you have the expense of generating a bill, uh, you have to wait for the patient to pay it, accounts receivable go up bad debts go up. So uh, if you can get that amount at the time of service through real-time claims adjudication, that's a huge advantage. And it's, it's also more patient-friendly. Patients want to know how much they're going to owe and the ability to get that information, get that answer for them at the time they're there at the front desk is an important factor in increasing patient satisfaction as well. Bill, if you take the data that you acquired from this year's survey and extrapolate it out to the future, when do you think that we'll no longer be in business? Well, let me put it this way. When the expenses exceed the revenues, it's clear that nobody will be in business, but we're going to see uh, the crunch come long before it reaches a one-to-one -one ratio. The trend we've been seeing for the last several years of growing expenses outpacing growth in revenues results in uh, the amount of available for physician compensation to become less and less. And many physicians feel like they're working harder than they ever have for the same or lower income. 
But what we're seeing right now is is a uh, fascinating trend to try to basically get out from under a lot of the uh, economic pressures of operating a practice. Perhaps one of the fastest growing segments of MGMA's membership is practices that are now hospital-owned or part of an integrated delivery system. And uh, we just recently looked at what the trend has been in hospital-owned practices in our surveys, and it's clearly rising significantly over the last several years. If you project out the proportion of physicians who are hospital employees, we're estimating that within 10 years, if the trend continues as it is, it'll be up to around 60% of the physician population. And I think that is purely and simply a response to the economic environment. Physicians are increasingly saying, I'm willing to sacrifice the professional autonomy of running my own practice for the economic security of being part of a larger organization where I'll be assured that I'm going to get paid at the end of the month and I don't have to worry about meeting the payroll for all those people that depend upon me. Dr. William Jesse, thank you very much for talking with me today. My pleasure. Thanks very much for the opportunity. My guest was Dr. William Jesse, president of the Medical Group Management Association, and we were discussing this year's survey results with the key issues facing physicians' practices. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which now features our entire library of on-demand podcasts. And thanks for listening.